With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. I started my fashion journey in the eighth grade. I was babysitting. I used to get picked on. My mom wouldn't buy me no fly clothes. So I said, when I get old enough, I'm going to make my own money and I'm going to buy my own clothes. So I started babysitting. And then when I, from my money that I got from babysitting, I went and went to the local flea market and I bought some like knockoff clothes and different stuff, brands and stuff like that, things that I like. And I bought, I came back to school and I wore it. And people was like, where'd you get that bright orange polo hat? And at the time I had a Craig Mack sweater. And they was like, where'd you get that Craig Mack sweater? And so I bought two of them. And so I sold one and kept the other one. And that's how I started my fashion journey. And then from there on, I just kept selling clothes, like from barbershops and everything. And so it made kind of sense when I said I wanted to start my fashion line, maybe five, 10 years, five to 10 years later after that. And I was like, I want to do my own thing. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of it. doesn't matter how badly you got beaten down. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person, a better leader, a better business. Go for that. <laughs> I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. Can you state your full name and three or four sentences about who you are and what you do? Manuel Jackson. Um, I'm design director for Red House Co. I would say my brand identity of basically who I am has always been about connecting people. And I didn't know at that time exactly what that was, you know. Um, and I've always also worked within the community of the youth. <laughs> I've always been doing something with young people. And so I started a quality apparel, abstract apparel, actually in my mother's garage just randomly one day just told one of my friends, hey, I want to make my own clothing line. So we started hand painting on clothes. And I went to the thrift store, bought a bunch of button ups and we just got some puff paint and we went home and we went to town and we just created abstract designs. What did it feel like to like start making that stuff? I know it was from the garage, but what did it feel like to start making your own brand, your own line and and actually see it like materialize in front of your eyes? Man, you know, the very first day we finished it, like the very first day we did something, I was like, man, we got something here. And it was nothing but like squiggly lines and just really, but the way that my boy had his hand, how he drew it and and how I just was playing with the spray and the paints and just like the very first day, I was like, this is it. And I knew from that, on, that moment on, I wanted to focus on pa- fashion. It felt amazing. And then what really kicked it up, I had a lot of friends that was just into a lot of different things. And one of my one of my boys, he was like a like an OG in the in in our in our, in our uh, city. He owned a boutique. And he was like, bro, like, 
I like these shirts you making. You should come and put some of them in the store because all my friends was out there trapping and doing all sorts of other stuff. And he was like, this might be a better way for you. And so I was like, all right. He's like, yeah, because you can, you probably would make more money than those people. <laughs> and I was like, for real? So anyway, and I put like maybe eight, 10 t-shirts. And the following week, I went back and gave me $400. And I was like, what? I made $400 in a week? <laughs> you know, that's a lot of money right there for, you know, for a child, so for a kid, I, you know, especially off of the t-shirt. I, I just was like, wow. And so he was like, yeah, he's like, I took a little percentage of the commission. I don't know what he ever sold him. He, I don't know how much he sold the t-shirts for, but at the end of the day, he gave me $400. And, and so it kicked my brain into like overdrive. So when I got the money from selling those t-shirts, it just let me know this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Because not only is it something that you love to do, it's something that the world is validating and saying, not only do we love to wear your shirts, but we love it so much that we'll pay you for it. And I think it's a beautiful thing when you have something that you love, something that the world actually also loves, and then something that you can sustain a life off of. Like, you can, you know, you have money and, um, and also like a passion and a drive, and you're giving something back to the world. Like, all, when all those three things are, are satisfied, you really have something. Yeah, especially when you're coming from like North Carolina, which, you know, North, probably North Carolina, like, you know, it's not a big fashion place. Like, he's still 10 years behind, you know what I mean? <laughs> And so it definitely said something to me, being that the fact that I was getting supported by the community. Then I was like, wait a minute, I have something here. And so that opened up the door, that opened up the floodgates. Yeah. So can you tell me uh, how you got featured in the cover of Apparel News? How did that happen? So when I moved here to Los Angeles, I end up coming here to visit my aunt and then end up attending FIDM in downtown L.A. And by going to, through FITM and everything, I started a program called Showcase Mix, where we brought all of the different majors and different students together and created like a little program. And we end up going to Magic, the trade show, selling our product, getting a sponsorship from Goodyear, designing their clothes, getting a booth, winning a Best Booth Award, coming back to FITM like, hey, we did this, establishing a really great network. And then my, my brother passed right in the middle of me about to graduate. So everything just went downhill. I almost didn't want to come back to school, but I knew I had to come back to school. I had to finish it, what I started, and I had to do it for my brother. So came back and I was just with a vengeance ready to just gun ho and go. Finished, graduated school, and I got an opportunity to do a fashion show. At the time, I had my oldest son's mother. She wanted to support me and help me get my first collection of pieces made, which was like a playoff of the abstract art that I had already been doing, um, but kind of more on a mass production level, which was only like 25 pieces. 
So anyway, we end up doing this fashion show in Hollywood. I mean, I bought all my friends together and everything as the models, and they end up loving what we were doing and featured us in Apparel News. That's huge. It was a big deal. Yeah, especially after all of the, like, the tragedy that you had to go through. And now that this is the proof that that work has led somewhere. Yeah, it was very real. It was very real. It was validating because I graduated in June and we got featured in, I think it was December. And it was just like surreal. And so, you know, I just knew at that point in time that I had what it took. I, I, I had something. I just had to continue to hone in on it. And it's been a journey. I'd love to zoom in on your, you were a co-director of Streetwear and Kicks. I would love you for you to tell me how that venture started, how you got involved and um, how it progressed. I had a vision of creating a program where we teach kids how to take their art and turn it into clothing. And so from there, we had to find a sponsor. And so Diana brought in um, Converse. How did it feel to have a, a recognizable brand like that support your project at such like an early stage? It, it felt like it was it, it felt like it was right on point, to be honest. And it was it was very successful. And it, 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 the thing about it was it built. It was building up to um, the grand reveal, which we had this big party at Sporty LA. We invited the kids out. They got a chance to yeah. see their art displayed in a in a really nice store and everything like that. We could bring in actual graffiti artists, actual people that was in the industry doing certain things. We could bring them in to talk to the youth. Like, hey, I've been there, you know? Like my boy, Mike Norris, he's a phenomenal artist now, world renowned. And at that time he ran a sneaker boutique on Melrose, first black owned sneaker boutique on Melrose called um, BYN, Break Your Neck Customs. And so he came in and he spoke to the kids and he just let them know, hey, I'm from South Central, you know, and look where I'm going. And, and, and just, you know, it just inspired. And I would love to see where some of these kids were, were are today. I'm pretty sure some of them definitely fell into the art world, I'm sure. Yeah, well, it sounds like like you provided such a unique event um, that not only allowed those kids to harness their creativity, but actually gave a path where they could follow it to its natural conclusion. Like this isn't just art for art's sake. Like if you wanted, you could be like this guy, you could create a career out of this. And so you like took that, I guess, that initial momentum from that event. How have you brought it to what you're doing today? And can you tell me a little bit what you're involved with in your projects in, in 2022? Man, I'm going to tell you, it's evolved. Back in 2011, I think it was, I opened up my first uh, company called The Gents Closet, which is the first men's style house in Los Angeles. Led me to connect with a lot of stylists. It led me to connect with a lot of uh, designers. It led me to connect with a lot of brands. And then I started basically designing and marketing and doing a lot of stuff for other brands. So this mission of dressing the world came to me as the overall empowering mission. And I was like, wow, I'm going to dress the world. I don't know where this is, where this is coming from, but this is okay. This is what I'm supposed to do. And so I created a signature piece called The Cloak. That led me up into creating this other product, which is now no our signature cap called the crew cap. 
because in order for me to address the world, I had to start with the crown. Couldn't start anywhere else. I had to start with the crown. And so this alternative to a beanie, which is called our crew cap, was like the gold ticket, I guess. And that's where we started. And now we happen to partner up with a retail um, incubator, uh, I mean, a retail co-op program in Lamert Park called Soul Folks that led up to this opportunity now where we're going to create an incubator program teaching other young designers and stuff how to sew and how to create their product and stuff like that. So it's led all the way back around full circle. I love that. And I love that you've maintained that mission of making sure that you're bringing up that next generation of, of fashion designers and, and artists. And so if you were to boil down everything that you've learned into a couple sentences, what advice would you give yourself, uh, you know, back in the early 2000s and the late 90s? Like, what advice would you give that person to make the, the journey a bit more efficient and easier? First of all, trust yourself. Push through the pain. Push through the pain. Push through your self-doubt. Push through not necessarily knowing what the future is going to be, but knowing that you can create the future that you want. Um, That's advice I still give to myself this day. And more than anything, and this is one thing that I tell everybody, believe in all your crazy ideas. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lynn. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Irene Van Burkle, Matt Fernandez, Renee B. Cannon, Sophia Donner, Maura Lynch, Zoe Maddox, Ashley Jimenez, Michael Chung, Nicholas Guzman, Aaron Devereaux, Sanessa Gisley, and Lois Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong, with support from Sarah Hobson, Melody Sopani, Cherise Tan, Jake Wiley, Ibadat Rai, and Mecca Shelton. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen, with support from Abigail Azardia, Elise Caldwell, Jake Wiley, Jordan Ortiz, and Sanessa Gisley. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand, with support from Sohail Amatya. Tiffany Dang, Jonathan Wass, and Diana Marie Kandelzer. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.